following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Pratinsky. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on Twitter at J Fortinsky NFL. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts at Herd and Ten. That's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're always posting content there. During the off season, there isn't quite as much content, but still, if this weekly podcast isn't enough, go check out any of our social media accounts. As well, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please rate and review our show. The more positive reviews we get, the more positive ratings we get, the more listeners will find our show. So I really appreciate if you go and hit those five stars and give us a five-star rating. It's great for the show and I would really appreciate it. So this week, we have a bunch of different topics. Now, I'm only going to cover a couple topics in this first half of the episode because in the second half, we're going to be having a guest on, and that's EJ Daniels of Pro Football Focus. We've had him on in the past, had a great chat with him just a few weeks ago, so we were so excited to get him back on the show. He's so knowledgeable when it comes to young talent. He's got a great eye for football and for which players the Bills should be looking to keep, looking to sign, looking to draft. So it seemed perfect to have him on this week. But in the meantime, before he comes on, I want to talk about a couple particular players. You have a player like Corey Bajorquez, the Bills punter. He's now a restricted free agent. He's been... A mixed bag for the Bills, I would say. He had a really good season in 2020, but his prior seasons were not all that impressive. We know that the Bills brought in a lot of different punters to compete with him last season and the prior season, and he managed to win out in each of those battles. Last offseason, the Bills brought in, I think, two or three different punters every time. I personally was confident that one of those guys would beat out Bahorquez, or as I like to call him, or as my brothers like to call him, Bahorkshank. Because prior to this 2020 season, he shanked the ball a lot and was not an impressive punter. And that's why the Bills probably kept bringing in competition. But he managed to hold those guys off. And in the 2020 season, he had a pretty damn good season. Granted, he didn't punt all that much. He didn't punt a whole lot because the offense was just so damn strong. In fact, 
I believe Allen combined for more touchdowns than Bajorquez had in punts. That is something you do not see every day. You definitely don't see it every season. And it's an amazing thing. But it also places a question, which is, is he worth it? If we're not punting a lot, do we need to spend a lot on a punter? Do we need to sign a punter to a multi-year deal? And I've said this already, he has been a mixed bag. We have not seen the same player every season. It's been a different guy every season. Maybe he put together the best season he's going to ever have. And if that's the case, maybe it doesn't make sense to keep him. Maybe the Bills should draft a punter or probably what would be more likely sign a veteran punter who's decent. I'm not convinced that the Bills need a great punter and I'm not convinced that Bajorquez is a great punter. So do you want to pay him or do you want to get a guy who's been around for a little longer, maybe someone who you may feel is more reliable? I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence here. I'm looking at an article that was put out by SB Nation's Buffalo Rumblings, and it was written by Matt Warren, and he talks about the contract projections for Corey Bajorquez. And what he's deeming as his projection is a three-year $8.85 million with just over $3 million guaranteed. That would make him the sixth highest paid punter in the league on a yearly average basis. But I don't know if I love that then. If that's what we're going to have to pay him, I don't know if it's worth it. Do we want to spend top 10 money on a punter when the Bills barely punt? Now, we don't know what's going to happen next season. We don't know if the Bills are going to have to punt as often, more often, less often. I think it would be unlikely that they would punt less often because he barely punted. But then are you going to now pay him almost $3 million? It comes out to $2.95 million average per season. Are you really going to pay him that kind of money? Especially when we're struggling just to keep more skilled players. We're struggling to keep guys like Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie. And now we're going to go shell out almost $3 million a year. For a punter, I talk about this all the time. Special teams is very important. But I don't know if you want to start breaking the bank. And I know in this article, Matt doesn't feel that this would break the bank. But I just, I look at the salary cap situation this year. And I just think some tough decisions are going to have to be made. And one of them might be to let go a good punter that you would love to keep. But with this salary cap, at maybe being 180 or so million, being significantly less than normal, you just can't keep everyone. And I'm just not sure that Corey Bajorquez has done enough that he deserves that kind of money. If you told me he would be maybe top 15, top 20 salary, I think I'd be more open to it. But the fact that this salary would put him in the top six For highest paid punters, it just seems steep for a team that has a lot of other things that they need to deal with. And they're going to then have to let go another guy. Let me ask you this. If it's keep Corey Bajorquez 
or keep Isaiah McKenzie? Who are you going to keep? If you want to message me, give me your answer. Would love to hear it. Personally, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. Isaiah McKenzie. There's no question that Isaiah McKenzie is more important. Because I don't think it's as easy to find a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. But I think that it's quite easy to find a guy like Corey Bajorquez. The next guy you sign as the punter may not be as good, but he could be comparable. I don't think it's worth shelling out a multi-year deal. That too should be noted. I don't want to give him a multi-year deal. And yeah, Matt's saying maybe you only have to guarantee him $3 million out of the 8.8. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Maybe he's going to want $4 million guaranteed. I, I just... I don't love the idea of signing a punter to a multi-year deal when we have other key players that we may actually have to let go for him. If you told me we could keep Bajorquez, we could keep McKenzie, we could keep Andre Roberts, and a whole slew of other guys, no problem. But I know the Bills are going to be scraping to keep money together so they can go and get other good veteran free agents. And that brings me to my next topic, because... I don't think this can get resolved now, but clearly, in, in at least on my side of things, I don't think the Bills should keep Bajorquez at, if it's going to cost them that. If it's going to cost them that $3 million plus per season, I don't think he's worth it. I think if you're going to spend half that, you know, a million and a half, two million, I think I'd be open to it because I think that that at least leaves some meat on the bone where you're not overpaying him. But that brings me to the next topic here. And that's, what are you going to do with this extra money? So I keep talking about that the Bills need to save money here. They need to save money there. Well, why am I saying that? What are they going to do with that money? And I think that they're going to go and they're going to spend it on a big-time player in free agency. I think it could be J.J. Watt, who I talked about last week. There's new rumblings about another superstar defensive end that the Bills could potentially sign, and that's Vaughn Miller. Now, very similar story to J.J. Watt. He has been plagued with injuries. He's had a lot of injuries. Now, Vaughn Miller is not the player he once was, just like J.J. Watt is not the player he once was. That's all okay to me. They don't need to be a defensive player of the year. They don't need to be superstars. But they need to be good and they need to bring something more than Mario Addison brought. Because Mario Addison did not bring what he was supposed to bring. He was supposed to bring energy. He was supposed to bring speed. And he was supposed to get to the quarterback. Get hits on the quarterback. Get pressure on the quarterback. Get sacks. He didn't really do any of those particularly well. And the Bills paid him quite a bit. I think if you take the money from him, you take the money from Quentin Jefferson, you take the money from Vernon Butler. I mean, I've talked about this now for weeks. You go and get yourself a really good veteran defensive end. And it could be J.J. Watt. It could be Vaughn Miller. Could be some other guys. There's definitely some other names that are floating around. But those two names seem to be at the top of the list. Those to me would be the premier options. Anything below those guys would be fine, but it means the Bills aren't getting the best possible player that they can. I think J.J. Watt would be the best option. I think Vaughn Miller would be the second best option. 
I think outside of that, I don't even want to get into that right now because I still think the Bills have a shot at either of these guys. I think Vaughn Miller would be an excellent addition. He's got speed. And yes, I've said this already. He's not the player he once was. But he's still a really, really good player. And I think he would make the Bills better. And I said this last week. J.J. Watt would make Jerry Hughes better. Vaughn Miller would also make Jerry Hughes better. It might also, and I didn't talk about this last week, but it may also give confidence to the linebacking core. Because maybe that's part of Tremaine Edmonds' problem. Maybe he's got a lack of confidence. Maybe it's not just his pure skill and his pure instincts. Maybe there's that mental aspect where he's not believing in himself. And I'm not basing this on anything. This is strictly just for me watching. I don't have a source that's told me that there's an issue with Edmonds and that he's had confidence issues. I don't, I don't have anything like that. But just going on a whim here, I feel like there might be something there. I think there might be a story there. I think he's still a very young linebacker. He's a linebacker that had very high expectations. The organization had very high expectations for him. And he has not met them. Sure, he's made the Pro Bowl, but let's all get real here. He has not looked very good. He's looked confused. He's looked nervous at times. He's looked hesitant. All of those group together to me and tell me that there might be a mental confidence issue holding him back. And look, the linebacking core is probably going to look very different next season. And that might really benefit Edmonds. Maybe the Bills will bring in another veteran to help teach him. Maybe they'll draft a guy who's got a lot of excitement and can drive and push Edmonds further. And maybe it's a defensive end like J.J. Watt or Von Miller who can come into the locker room and pick him up. Pick Edmonds up. Get him on the right path. Help develop him because he's not developing as quickly as we thought. And middle linebackers can take a long time. And we knew he was raw coming in. But with all that talent and with that physical ability, the, the size, the speed, you just thought he would be better than what he is today. He is not good enough. As of now, and I'm getting off on a little tangent, but as of now, Tremaine Edmonds is not going to be a bill for much longer. He's got one more year and then an option. If he looks the way he did in the 2020 season, I can tell you right now, Tremaine Edmonds will not be a bill. They will not extend him. They will not use his option. They will not sign him to a multi-year deal. He will be gone. This will be his last season. He needs to get a lot better. And that's why I keep talking about these defensive ends because I feel like they can make a big difference. I think that having a good defensive line could really help the linebackers. It can mean that the Bills don't suffer too much from losing Matt Milano. It means the Bills won't suffer too much if they cut Addison, Butler, Jefferson. If Epinesa doesn't become what we hope, if Latulale is not that good, if Oliver doesn't become what we hoped he would, 
If all of those players don't take a step forward, but you add a guy like Watt or you add a guy like Miller, it can change the entire defense. It changes the D-line. It can help take pressure off of the linebacker because that should be noted. There's obviously a lot of pressure on Edmonds, and there should be. But maybe it's too much. Maybe he's not ready for that. Maybe he's too young. Maybe he's too raw. He's just not ready to lead a defense. We need someone who can lead the defense. We need someone who's vocal. And both Watt and Miller are vocal. Because really, outside of Jerry Hughes, the Bills don't have such a vocal defense. I mean, Trey White, I guess. But really, there isn't so much of that on the defense. Maybe they need a real leader. Because they've almost forced Edmonds into that. He's almost been thrust into that leadership role. And I think that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott hoped that he would embrace that. But I don't think he has. I don't think he's meant to be a leader of a defense. Even though he's a middle linebacker, he just doesn't seem to have the right personality. And maybe bringing in a veteran who has that personality who has the experience of leading a defense, can change things, can relieve some pressure off of Edmonds. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to have a great chat with EJ Daniels. We're going to talk about who the Bills should cut, who they should sign. We're going to talk about the draft, what positions we think the Bills may have some trouble protecting and keeping strong. So we're just going to take a quick break here and then we'll be right back. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia, this has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes, like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. 
www.thepodcastmaker.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. We got EJ Daniels here from Pro Football Focus. We've had him on before, had him on a few weeks ago, had such a great time with him, wanted to have him on again. It's great to have another diehard fan. EJ, let our listeners know again where they can find you, where they can find your content, and then we can jump right into some Bill's topics. Uh, first of all, I wanted to uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, appreciate opportunity to speak to the Bills Mafia. And uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, um, at edaniel77. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, at Ernest Daniels. And then I'm also on uh, Instagram, at Mr. Ham and Turkey. Um, so those are the three places that I'm most active. But the most active is Twitter, uh, at edaniel77. Awesome. Awesome. So we got a bunch of topics to cover today. Let's start with what you feel are the key position group issues on the bills right now. And it can be offense, defense, special teams, but specifically which groups, tight ends, running backs, do you have any groups that you feel like the bills have some severe issues and are maybe really thin at? Uh, In terms of severe issues, I would, probably have to go with the defensive line first and foremost um the bills you know had the most expensive d line uh, in the nfl that has to change especially with the production that was that was had by the um defensive line this year uh aside from jerry hughes who was fifth in the league in pressures this year and fifth in the league in pff pass rush great um he did his thing as he usually does but you know that that unit needs to be bolstered you know quite a bit and uh secondly for, for me um, I think the the DB specifically the cornerback, quarterback two, three, four, five, however far you want to go, just cornerback two through four, whatever, needs to be upgraded too. Because um, my rationale is, whatever move that the Bills make in the draft and free agency on defense needs to be geared towards how are we going to beat the Chiefs, and that position needs to be upgraded, you know, in terms of athleticism. I mean, Levi Wallace is nice. Um, had a has a 68, if I'm not mistaken, 0.3 coverage grade the last two years in a row. So what that says to me is that he pretty much is what he is at this point. So the Bills can definitely use an upgrade there. But those are the two positions that I think they can use in overhaul. Uh, people will also speak to the O-line. But, I mean, they had the, if I remember correctly, what I posted on the PFF Bills page, I think it was like the uh, sixth best pass blocking O-line. So, I mean, it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. You know, they kind of just tapered off at the end of the season. But those are the two main positions that I think need to upgrade the most. Yeah, like when we look at the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Chiefs, I feel like that's a pretty good guideline on how to beat the Chiefs, how to put that pressure on Mahomes and make him look not like Patrick Mahomes. Because that's really what he looked like in the Super Bowl. He looked lost. He looked confused. He had happy feet, I like to call them. When you see him jittery in the pocket, moving a little too quickly, his feet are moving too quickly. He's trying to escape the pocket too quickly. All those things come back to the defensive line. And and I think you nailed it there. The defensive line is really where we need to see not just improvement, but significant improvement. And I've talked about this now for weeks, the defensive end, maybe it's going to be J.J. Watt, maybe it's going to be Vaughn Miller. There are some really elite players that maybe aren't quite what they were, but they're still good enough. 
And the Bills need that. They need guys that can get to the quarterback. And I just don't think they currently have that outside of Jerry Hughes, of course. Love Jerry Hughes. But the rest of the line really is just not getting to the quarterback. Ed Oliver, not getting to the quarterback. Ed Oliver, and I just want to mention this, was brought in to be a speedy, quick defensive tackle. He has been nothing like that. He has struggled to get to the quarterback. His small stature seems to be hurting him, not benefiting him. I think the hope was that bringing in a guy that's a little smaller, a little quicker, faster hands, faster feet, that he'd be able to attack. But it just feels like he hasn't been able to do that. And then, of course, his small stature is hurting him when it comes to protecting against the run. The best defensive tackles for running purposes, for run blocking purposes, tend to be the largest. And he just doesn't seem to do that. And his small stature doesn't seem to allow him to get to the quarterback either. So there's definitely some concern there up the middle. But of course, on the ends, we really haven't been getting to the quarterback and getting the pressure that we need to. The next topic I want to talk about here is, do the Bills keep Tremaine Edmonds after this fourth year? I feel like that's something that's going to come up more and more. He's entering his fourth year. And at this point, I feel like it's doubtful that they're going to keep him in his fifth year or sign him to a multi-year deal. Do you think that they'll keep him, use the fifth year option, sign him to a multi-year deal? And if you do, what does he need to do to, to gain that trust in the bills to get that kind of deal? Has he already done that? I guess what I want to know is, has Tremaine Edmonds done enough to stick around? Or if he hasn't, what can he do so he can stick around for the long term with the Bills? So this is very interesting. What I'll say is, looking at his PFF grading profile and looking at eye test, I would say no, he has not earned an extension. But this is the caveat right here. He's 22 years old. And so my thing is, the Bills may be pigeonholed into having to give him a new deal just simply based off the fact let's just say somebody like the Patriots or somebody like the Ravens or the Dolphins God forbid get him and he becomes this all pro linebacker that he was drafted to be then the Bills would be sick to their stomach if they were able to see that so you almost have to give him um, a new deal just because he is so young and I think the things that he can get better at number one is mental processing processing the game faster quicker there's many times on film I mean, the, the linebacker position is based on, you know, processing plays, going in after what you see and making tackles. And those are the two, unfortunately, those are the two areas he struggles with the most, you know, processing the game fast and then tackling. Bills are been, have been one of the worst tackling teams in the past three seasons, and he attributes to that. So I think what he can do to get better is, honestly, it's just time. And, that, and, it, and it sucks to say that, but it's just time because – you know, look at Levante David, like you mentioned the Super Bowl. You know, Levante David has been one of the best linebackers in the league, you know, since he's gotten there. And then you see Devin White, you know, coming on right behind him. And so that's the kind of trajectory the Bills are hoping for Tremaine Edmonds. But, you know, Bills Mafia isn't seeing it. And to be honest with you, he isn't playing like it right now. But again, to mention, like I mentioned before, he's 22 years old. and You almost you just can't let that talent walk out the door. And I think that's where the Bills are going to have to uh, ask themselves, like, are we going to take a gamble on his talent for the next, you know, three, four or five years? But the two areas, the two key areas that he can get better at 
is processing the game and tackling. Those are those are his two areas. And the processing the game part, it just takes time. And that's the thing. You just got to have to be patient with Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, and we knew he was raw coming in. We knew he had a ton of skills, but that he didn't necessarily know how to use them yet. Not all that different from Josh Allen. But I like that you bring up that he does need time. He is young. It's just frustrating that it's taking this long, but I get that it can take time. I guess the other thing here is really how much they're going to have to pay to keep him. Because yes, Mm -hmm. it would be a shame to lose him and he goes to the Dolphins or the Jets or the Patriots and ends up being really good. And that would suck. But if he's going to get a huge deal based on still maybe potential, I don't think it would make sense. I think if you can lock him in, like you say, for a three, four year deal, and maybe it's pretty cap friendly, it's team friendly, and he really just wants to stick with the bills and he likes the system, then I would keep him. But if he's going to start entering territory like a Matt Milano, where he's wanting 13 plus million dollars a year, I mean, I just don't see how you can give him that. Even if he becomes really good, can you really give him like a $45 million deal across like three years, let's say, with $25 million guaranteed, $30 million guaranteed, when he hasn't done anything? It's, it's very difficult. So I, I think that you bring up a good point. Yes, they would like to keep him. Yes, you ideally don't want to lose him. But I think it's going to come down to how much. If he's not so demanding and he's reasonable or he's willing to take like a one-year prove-it deal and get one more shot, maybe you give him like a one-year $7 million or something and just say, hey, like you haven't proven much. Prove something to us and then we'll give you the big fat contract. And maybe that's going to happen this year. Maybe he knows. He knows he's kind of halfway out the door here. If he doesn't step up and do something and, like you said, improve his processing speed of the game and improve his tackling dramatically, then he might be gone. He might be out the door. This could be his last season. The next player I want to talk about in this, this is a big one, Josh Allen. Do the Bills sign him now or do they wait? Look, here's what we know. Every year that goes by, quarterback salaries and wide receiver salaries, those particular positions, even cornerbacks as well, those salaries are just skyrocketing. Every year, they're jumping up and up and up. And maybe Allen isn't going to put together an MVP caliber season again, although I think he could. I don't see why not. But let's say he doesn't. He he has a good season, but not an unbelievable season he's still going to get a monster deal. So Mm -hmm. wouldn't it make sense to sign him now, especially with the salary cap as low as it is? Maybe Allen wants to be nice to the team. He'll still get a huge payday, but maybe not quite as big. Do you think it makes sense to sign Allen now and not wait till till after his fourth year or even give him an option on the fifth year and then sign him after the fifth year? When should the Bills sign Allen to his huge deal? Because we know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. The Bills should sign Allen to his uh, big deal yesterday. That's when they should have signed him. Um, they have they have their quarterback of the future, and we know this. And like you said, to your point, is the longer you wait, the higher that price tag goes up. And it's, and it's strictly that. It's just that simple. And then the better he plays, the higher the dollar amount goes up also. So it would make sense to sign him the way Bean was talking. Cause I don't know if you guys know, but 
Brandon Bean was on the Richard Sherman and um, Chris Collinsworth podcast today, I think it was. But I mean, he was sounding like he was trying to sign him, you know, down the road, you know, down in, in not this offseason, but maybe next offseason on the offseason after that, like you said. But I mean, like to answer your question specifically, if you know that this guy is your franchise quarterback, you have to sign him immediately. Um, I watch Kyle Cowher all the time. He always talks about, you know, the longer you wait to sign these guys, the higher that price tag goes up. You have to sign them early to so you can um, allocate your resources to other places. You know, tying up one hundred million dollars into a quarterback, it is needed, but it sucks because you can't sign anybody else and somebody really good, i.e. Matt Milano has to walk out the door because you have to, you have to sign it. You can't win in the league without a quarterback. And it's as simple as that. So to answer your question, the Bills should have signed Allen right after they lost the playoff game to the Chiefs. Yeah, and maybe they would have gotten a good deal because he would have been feeling <laughs> shitty about losing. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I guess the, the, the issue here is he seems like he's on that Pat Mahomes trajectory because when you look at Pat Mahomes, what has he done? He's one MVP. Hey, Allen didn't get it, but come on. We all know he deserved the MVP. He really did. He was the most valuable player to his team. And yes, Aaron Rodgers had a great season, but Aaron Rodgers had an amazing run game with him. Allen had nothing. So that's the first thing. So he's on that trajectory. Let's tick off. He basically had an MVP season. That would mean next year is maybe his Super Bowl. And Mm. if he wins the Super Bowl, And obviously it's still a long shot, but the price that you're going to have to pay, I get that you can get a few extra guys this season, but it's going to screw them in the long run. And, and Mm -hmm. yeah, you know what? I haven't heard that podcast yet, but I'm going to check it out because that's interesting that you note that, because if that's what Bean has in his head, I got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed. I love Brandon Bean. I think he's done an amazing job and he tends to attack. When he wants something, he goes and gets it. And the Bills have really made it clear that if you play well, you're going to get paid. And Allen played really well. He should get paid. And I get that he has technically two years left. But like you said, what, why are you going to wait? You got your right. quarterback. What else do you need? And yes, you want to be able to sign other guys. But it doesn't matter how many Matt Milanos you sign. You cannot win without Josh Allen. I don't care what anyone says. And who says, oh, if we have a great defense, if we have great receivers, we can figure it out. No. If you don't have a quarterback, you are nothing. The Bills have been nothing for almost three decades because they didn't have a quarterback. We finally have him. Please just lock him in. So I don't even need to spend this time on this show talking about it. So me (laughs) and EJ don't have to speak about Josh Allen anymore. Final topic here. The draft. The draft Mm -hmm. is coming up. The Bills have some holes. I don't know if they have any gaping holes, but they definitely have some holes. Where do you think the Bills are going to be looking to draft? And maybe we'll talk about just the first round or two. Are the Bills going to try to trade down and collect more picks? Are they going to try to trade up for a really good player and maybe sacrifice some future picks? Or are they just going to draft whatever comes their way and What is that going to be? What do they need to solve in the draft that maybe won't need too much development? So trading back in the draft is always your best option. You know, if you're not taking the quarterback, you should always trade back. Always accumulate more picks, accumulate better players, especially going back to money. They're cheaper. You can get cheap 
good talent in the draft. That's why teams always look for value. So me personally, if I was the GM, especially if there was a player that, you know, the Bills really didn't like or didn't love at 30, I would trade back because, you know, they're not, it's not like they're, you know, a full roster away like the Jets. They're like two or three players away from making the Super Bowl. I mean, they were one game away from the Super Bowl. But at 30, if they do stay there, I see them. This is my dream scenario. My dream scenario is that the Bills take a cornerback, specifically um, Asante Samuel Jr. from FSU. Or uh, they said that they've been looking at that kid from um, uh, Syracuse, Afedi. They've been looking at him. Trill Williams, also another cornerback from Syracuse. But um, at 30, I can see them either going cornerback or um, edge rusher. And if they do go edge rusher, I like Aziz Ansulari from Georgia. That'd be a good pick. Um, to, uh, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest will also be a good pick at 30. Um, and in terms of the second round, that is where they need to probably either prioritize their offense and grab a stud receiver. I have a article on the coldfrontreport.com uh, chronicling how many, uh, which receivers they should take in the second round. If they do that, you know, you got John Brown's contract coming up. You got uh, Cole Beasley coming off of a, a broken fibula as we found out at the end of the season and he's uh, plus 30. So, I mean, Putting uh, putting quality weapons around Josh Allen should definitely be, you know, a priority high in the draft. But, I mean, everyone bangs on the O-line, specifically the interior, so I can see them going guard. And if they do go guard, I like uh, Trey Smith from Tennessee, who's a good, great guard, nasty in the run game, very good um, at pass blocking, but his only issue is he has blood clots. But that is a player, you know, that the Bills could get you know, later in the draft, second, third, fourth round that can, you know, come in and start right away. So first round, I see them going corner edge. Second round, I definitely see them either going wide receiver or uh, guard. Yeah, I like that you talk about value because that's really what it's about, right? Getting a guy who maybe isn't perfect, obviously blood clots, it's, it's scary. But if he can stay healthy, a guy like that, getting him late, and getting value out of him that might be really first-round type potential might be worth the risk, especially for a Bills team that you talk about. They only need a couple guys. They're really close. They were a game away from the Super Bowl. They don't need to revamp their entire team. They need to land a couple guys that maybe slip down, and we snatch them up a little late, and we get pure just value from them, pure starting ability. I don't love the idea of drafting a defensive end in the first round just because I feel like they can't make enough of a difference right off the bat. And a lot of them do, but the problem is that late round, like usually you're getting that top talent if you're in the top 10, top 15, but at the same time, maybe there's some value. Cause like you talked about, it's the 30th pick. I mean, how much are you going to get? You want to try to land a guy who can actually play right off the bat. We don't want to draft mm -hmm. a tight end or some position where the guy needs to develop. We don't need that. And that's why I asked at the end of my question, I mentioned development because we don't want a guy that needs to be developed. We need a guy that can step right in. And maybe it's the cornerback position. We know there's some issues there. The Bills have tried to resolve it through signing guys. Josh Norman hasn't worked. Obviously, they still have Levi Wallace, but... He's clearly not the answer. If he was the answer, they wouldn't keep bringing in veterans. So maybe it is drafting a cornerback in the late first round who can actually start day one and is least a step up from Levi Walls. We don't need a superstar cornerback. We have that in Tredavious White. But we do need someone to play opposite to him that is truly competent and can truly start 
practically 16 games because Levi Wallace is good if he's coming in from time to time. When they started rotating him and Norman, it was a little bit better. But really, they need something to solve that. So I think I'm leaning towards, like, I like your take on the cornerback. I feel like there's going to be a few guys down there that we can pick up and we're not sacrificing anything. We're getting a guy that can start day one and make a real impact on the defense, which I believe can be really good again. They were elite Mm -hmm. just one season ago. So there's no reason they can't get back to that now. They're going to lose some guys, Milano, but I feel like they can be something special again. They just need a couple pieces here and there. And like you talked about, maybe in the later rounds, they pick up a receiver who can start. I mean, look what we got out of Davis. Like these guys weren't top Mm -hmm. first round picks. Like you can get a lot of value in those later rounds. So maybe they are going to trade down. Like you also mentioned, that is an option. So clearly there's a lot of options at this point. I don't think any of them are going to be wrong. I think the only thing that would be wrong is if we go and draft a defensive tackle. I will be pissed off if they go and draft another defensive tackle. I I can't Mm -hmm. take it anymore. We cannot draft another defensive tackle. Definitely not in the first round. We don't need it now. Latulale is coming back, and I know a lot of fans don't like him. I really didn't like him either, but he'll be good for the run game, and he's under contract. We don't need to draft any guys high up like that, but look, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of time still. I guess we're going to find out a lot more, but EJ, really appreciate you coming on again. Love having you on. Maybe we'll do this every few weeks, have you on. You you know a lot. You you obviously understand a lot of the young talent, and I like that because Mm -hmm. I don't have that kind of knowledge, so it's nice to get that from you and really talk about the grades and not just talk about the old eyeball test. You have the numbers to back it up. So EJ, thanks so much for coming on again. Really appreciate it. And go Bills. Yes, sir. Any, like I said, anytime you need me to come step in and talk some football, specifically some Bills football, I'm always available.